always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Search Sky Broadband to get started. The people of Scotland have spoken. And it is a clear result. In fact, it was a resounding no from voters in Scotland this morning. Scotland has voted to keep the kingdom united. Eight years after Scotland said no to independence in its 2014 referendum, Scottish National Party leader Nicola Sturgeon now wants to put the issue back at the top of the agenda. Scotland, over generations, has paid a price for not being independent. Westminster governments we don't vote for, imposing policies we don't support, too often holding us back from fulfilling our potential. In a speech to the Scottish Parliament last week, the First Minister announced to push for a new referendum next year and explained why she believes that now is the right time. The Conservatives have just six MPs in Scotland, barely 10% of Scottish representation, and yet they have ripped us out of the EU against our will. They have created the worst cost of living crisis in the G7 and saddled us with the second lowest growth in the G20. Our country deserves better. The question put to Scots would be the same as in the 2014 referendum. Should Scotland be an independent country? But holding a second referendum is shrouded in legal problems, and there's no certainty it will even happen. I'm Sarah Hapalak, and this is In the News from the Irish Times. Today, Will Scotland get another chance to vote on its independence? Dennis Staunton is the London editor with the Irish Times. Firstly, Dennis, so that we have a full picture of what's happening today, can you take us back to the 2014 Scottish independence referendum, or Indyref as it was known, which was a contest between the Yes campaign for independence led by the Scottish National Party and the Better Together campaign led by David Cameron's Tory government, which was in favour of remaining part of the UK. And that is it. Scotland has voted no in this referendum on independence. The result in Fife has taken the no campaign over the line and the official result of this referendum is a no. The no side won 55% to 45%. So that's fairly convincingly. How did the no campaign win? And what were the issues that swung that vote so strongly in their favour? Well, before the campaign began, the no side were 20 points ahead. So they won by 10 points. But actually, before the thing began, they were 20 points ahead. And so what happened during the campaign was that the polls tightened. And it looked at one stage as if the uh, the yes side might just about win. But they, it was always an unlikely thing because uh, the government, uh, business, almost everybody was really uh, you know in favour of remaining part of the United Kingdom. And what happened was that you had this kind of grassroots indie ref movement that uh, it became quite passionate as the campaign went on. But the polling later suggested that the one of the big things that really swung it towards a no vote in the end was the question of what currency Scotland would use. Were they going to give up sterling or not? But the context of the referendum was also, of course, one of being part of the European Union. And one of the things they said was, uh, you know, on the no side, if Scotland were to leave the United Kingdom, then it would have to leave the European Union. 
this is, was obviously a couple of years before Britain decided to leave itself. And so, uh, so one of the reasons, in a way, that uh, this argument was not settled was because part of the deal, in a sense, uh, was that Scotland was remaining part of the United Kingdom, which was in turn part of the European Union. And Dennis, how much of a turning point was that period in 2014 for the UK and Scotland? It became a, an important turning point, I think. First of all, what happened immediately after the referendum was that Alex Salmond resigned as head of the Scottish National Party. He had been leading it for a long time. He very much was the kind of father of that sort of later stage of Scottish nationalism. I believe that this is a new, exciting situation that's redolent with possibility. But in that situation, I think that party, parliament and country would benefit from new leadership. Uh, therefore, I've told the National Secretary And he was replaced by his deputy, Nicola Sturgeon. And immediately, support for the party and for independence went up, partly because women voters in Scotland identified with Nicola Sturgeon's style more than they did with Salmond. And also, I think the, that although the yes side, the pro-independence side, didn't win the election, the fact that they came as close as they did meant that uh, they were feeling pretty buoyant. And so they felt that this was kind of one more stage on the journey. It was certainly the highest support for Scottish independence that had ever been seen. And so in that sense, it meant that, first of all, that the United Kingdom had accepted that part of the United Kingdom could leave. And uh, the fact that David Cameron said that he would respect the outcome of the referendum meant that that was just established in a way as a fact, which hadn't been entirely certain before. They spoke of a voluntary union, but nobody knew quite if it was going to happen. So so once that, that fact was established, it was clear that after that, any part of the United Kingdom could in a way leave. It is right to take and not to duck the big decision. And it was right that we respected the SNP's majority in Holyrood and gave the Scottish people their right to have their say. Let us also remember why it was right to ask the definitive question, yes or no. Because now the debate has been settled for a generation, or as Alex Salmond has said, perhaps for a lifetime. So successive Tory prime ministers have said since 2014 that this issue on Scottish independence is settled and that no new referendum on the issue will be permitted for a generation. But then last week, Nicola Sturgeon, the SNP leader, announced that she was calling for a new referendum on Scottish independence, which would take place next year. She even announced a date for it. Presenting officer, I can announce that the Scottish government is proposing that the independence referendum be held on the 19th of October 2023. Now, we'll come to the mechanics of her plan in a minute, but the first question I want to ask you, Dennis, is why now? Why does Sturgeon think that now is the right time to do this? Nicola Sturgeon won last year's Scottish elections in the Scottish Parliament on a promise of having another independence referendum in the first half of the parliamentary term. And so that means that really, if uh, if she's to fulfil that promise, it has to be by the end of 2023. And she's in uh, coalition with the Green Party in Scotland, who are also in favour of independence. And so there is a, a majority in the Scottish Parliament for an independence referendum. Uh, the other political reason, I think, is that in a way Boris Johnson is the best recruiting sergeant for independence in Scotland because mm -hmm. he's very unpopular 
there is the fact that the Conservatives have been in power for so long and that people in Scotland, most of them don't vote for the Conservatives, mean that uh, one argument for independence is that it's the only way that Scotland can have a government that's in keeping with what Scottish people want. And uh, so the danger, obviously, is if we wait, you wait too long, maybe Boris Johnson is gone, maybe there's a Labour government, maybe the argument is a little bit weakened. But I think the third uh, factor is just a sense of keeping the momentum going. In her address last week, Nicola Sturgeon set out a legal roadmap for holding another referendum. Dennis, what did Sturgeon say? Well, let's go back again for a moment to 2014. And the way the referendum came about was that David Cameron agreed to have it. The reason that this was important was that when uh, the Scottish devolution settlement was uh, established in 1998, the Scotland Act, what they did was that certain powers were devolved to Scotland. So things like health, education, a lot of domestic powers. But then there were some powers that were reserved to Westminster, foreign policy, defence, and also questions about the constitution and the constitutional settlement. So what that really meant was that any change in the constitutional settlement would have to have the approval of Parliament at Westminster. And what David Cameron did was that he signed what's called a Section 30 order, where he temporarily gave that power to the Scottish Parliament. And he said, so you now can set this. And that followed a number of, uh, you know, a whole set of negotiations about, for example, the question that was going to be posed, all kinds of factors about the referendum. So he then handed that over temporarily, and that's how it went. And so what that meant was that although all referendums in Britain are advisory, uh, as opposed to legally binding, so, you know, Parliament is sovereign, so what that means is that you can have a referendum, but for it to come into effect, you have to have legislation. So nonetheless, what it meant was that it was effectively binding because he he had done it in the in a proper way. So Boris Johnson has said, I'm not going to do this. You could ask as often as you like. I'm, not, I'm never going to give you a Section 30 order. Uh, I think that most people in, uh, in, in Scotland, most people around the whole of the UK feel that this is not the time as we're coming forwards out of a, a, a pandemic together. This is not the time to have a, a reckless uh, uh, and I think irresponsible uh, second Referendum. We had one only a few. But Nicholas Sturgeon said, "Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask him again. If he says no, as I think he's going to be, then I am going to seek an opinion from the Supreme Court in uh, London to ask if the Scottish Parliament has the right." to actually call a referendum. So instead of having trying to call the referendum, having lots of legal challenges, let's just go straight to the Supreme Court, say, will you please just tell us, is this legal or is it not? So Dennis, what is Sturgeon's thinking with this plan to go to the Supreme Court? How does it work exactly? The idea is, if the Supreme Court says, yep, go ahead, you have the right to do it, then that's all fully legitimate and uh, it's all okay. If, on the other hand, they say no, you can't, What she then says is, well, that means that our parliamentary settlement, our settlement in 1998, means that we have no chance of democratically saying we want to go. And so what I'm going to do then is going to make the next United Kingdom general election in Scotland a de facto referendum on independence. But if it does transpire that there is no lawful way for this parliament to give the people of Scotland the choice of independence in a referendum, and if the UK government continues to deny a Section 30 order, my party will fight the UK general election on this single question. Should Scotland be 
an independent country. So in other words, if a majority of people vote for parties that are in favour of independence, I'm going to take that as being uh, a referendum on Scottish independence. Dennis, British politics often seems to be caught up in in murky legal arguments over this and that, and, and this situation is no different. So having laid out Sturgeon's plan, what do we know about the strength of her legal argument in this situation? It's not clear what the Supreme Court is going to do, but there is one straw in the wind, which is that there was a ruling quite recently where uh, Scotland wanted to write into some legislation about children, an international convention on the rights of the child, which the United Kingdom didn't want to be part of. And what the Supreme Court ruled was that Scotland couldn't do that because the, the whole business of reserved powers means not only that Scotland can't legislate in an area that's supposed to be reserved to Westminster, but they also can't legislate in a way that puts pressure on Westminster to move in a certain way within one of these areas. So in that ruling, there was a suggestion within the Supreme Court, it seemed, that maybe they take this kind of view that actually uh, if the powers are reserved to Westminster, then that's it, and that they're pretty intolerant of any uh, deviation from that. So we'll see. I mean, I think probably we're expecting that they will expedite their judgment on this. We might get it maybe in the autumn. But I would say that probably the preponderance of legal opinion and it's so difficult to predict these things, would now probably this week say, um, yeah, maybe they're going to lose. But uh, but we'll see. It, you know, it, it would be thought of as, as a bit of a long shot. Coming up, if a referendum does happen, what will be the main stumbling blocks and what sort of ramifications will there be for both sides of the debate? Never suffer the buffer again. Always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Whether you're streaming on the sofa, gaming in the bedroom, or swiping in the bathroom. I said swiping. You'll never be without it. Switch your home to 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Availability subject to location requires Sky Broadband Ultrafast. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. 99.9% reliability based on time our broadband network works across our base. So let's say a referendum does happen in 2023. We can expect that the debate will probably feature a lot of the same issues as in 2014. So the economy, the question of identity, how weak or strong an independent Scotland would be, and just the sheer difficulty of separating in the event of a yes vote. But the obvious elephant in the room this time will be Brexit, which happened in 2016, and as we all know, has not been plain sailing. How much has Brexit changed the equation in this debate? Brexit has changed it in two kind of contradictory ways. So on the one hand, Brexit strengthens the emotional case for independence, because Scotland voted to remain in the European Union. And so Scottish nationalists can say, we've been dragged out of the European Union against our will. Brexit also complicates the practical case for independence because if Scotland were to leave the United Kingdom and join the European Union, then what do you do about the border? 
between Scotland and England and all these questions that come up about Ireland and Northern Ireland, they come up then. So uh, do you want to have a hard border? Do you want to have a customs border? Would you have free movement of people? Would you have try to have something like the common travel area that we have? So there's lots of complicated questions to do with that. And there's no question but that the anti-independent side would certainly use this to say that actually, because of Brexit, independence is just a much more complicated, difficult thing to do. How much have the other arguments that existed in 2014 on both the yes and the no side changed in the nine years or the eight or nine years since? I think uh, the economic arguments, they haven't changed that much in the sense that, um, you know, the questions of the currency, questions about things like who pays the state pension. Some Scottish nationalists were suggesting that the British government would continue to pay the state pension in Scotland, which the British government is pretty clear it's not going to do. And so there are all kinds of practical things to do with money which would be the the kind of things that would frighten people off independence that the Scottish National Party have not yet answered. So they are going to, if they're going to win, they're going to have to come up with answers to all of these questions. Uh, The other thing that's changed, of course, although it's kind of changed and changed back again, is the whole question of North Sea oil. That uh, at the time of the 2014 referendum, an awful lot of the economic projections on the independent side were all about the idea we get our oil revenues and that's all going to be great and it's going to be good for us. But then in the intervening years, oil prices went down and then the climate change business meant that people were, go- were moving away from oil. Now because of the Ukraine war, maybe that's all back in vogue. So that's a kind of another factor. But I think also then the Uh, The thing that's changed on the other side is the fact that the Conservatives are still in power. That is a strong argument, I think, for a lot of uh, Scots to say, this is the way to go. This this is how we can get out. And I think then the other thing, of course, which always operates in favour of the nationalists is that younger people tend to be more inclined towards Scottish independence. And uh, there is more of them, or at least, you know, they're growing up and other people are dying. And on that, on Scottish public opinion, I mean, how much do we think it's changed since 2014? Well, it's uh, it's it's sort of fluctuated. So there was a period, say, after the Brexit referendum for quite a while, where independence was ahead, just by a couple of points. But it's generally been pretty steady. So I'm so at the moment, it's about forty eight percent for independence, fifty two percent against. Like those are almost within the margin of error, you know. So that it's it's been fairly steady around the fifty fifty mark in the past. Nicola Sturgeon's people kind of felt that they'd like to have a, a pretty solid lead for independence, like 60% or coming up to 60% for independence before they went into it. But I think that now I think they're ready to go whenever it comes up. What about political support for the SNP within Scotland? They've been in power for a long time. Does the party still have a similar level of support as it did in 2014? Or how much has that changed in the years since? The party keeps winning elections. And every time that the pundits in London or in Edinburgh say that the party's finished, Nicola Sturgeon's finished, the SNP has run out of ideas, they just keep winning. Uh, See, what you found is that the Conservatives, uh, which have been the biggest opposition party, they're stuck at around a quarter of the vote. The Labour Party, which used to be dominant in Scotland, uh, it hasn't managed to make a comeback after it was more or less wiped out following the independence referendum. 
There has been no rival to the SNP in Scotland that's so far made a huge difference. And Nicola Sturgeon, despite her detractors, remains probably the most effective politician in these two islands. We don't have the time to get into all the ramifications of a yes vote in a Scottish independence referendum today, but it's probably fair to say that it would change life radically in Britain and also have a huge impact here in Ireland. And I do want to ask, let's say the referendum is granted, permission to hold it is granted, it goes ahead and Scots do vote in favour of independence. What message does that send to Northern Ireland? The message it sends to Northern Ireland is that the United Kingdom is over in the sense that that union that Northern Ireland was part of doesn't exist anymore. And obviously the union with Scotland predates the union with Ireland by a century. For that to have fallen apart, you then have this polity which is England, Wales and Northern Ireland. Also given that for many unionists in Northern Ireland, their unionist identity and their British identity runs through Scotland. And this is not just a question of historically where their forefathers came from. It's also the fact that so many people in Northern Ireland, they go to university in Scotland. Mm. The ties are so close uh, that for that uh, to be gone, it, it, it changes the whole equation. And it then probably has the, the effect of boosting support for independence in Wales, which is now much higher than it's ever been before. And so you, so this really is the end of the United Kingdom if Scotland does go. And at that stage, I think you really would find that uh, all kinds of new constitutional arrangements, I mean, you would have to have a new constitutional arrangement for Northern Ireland. That doesn't have to mean a united Ireland, but it, it has to mean something different. And what if the Scots lose? What has Nicola Sturgeon said about what the SNP's next move would be if the referendum was lost? And would that be the end of the line for the end of independence push? I mean, really, would that be the end for a generation this time? I, she certainly doesn't talk about the idea of defeat. And I think also she will be quite careful if it is in her gift. She's not going to call the referendum unless she thinks she's likely to win it. If they lose this time, then I think probably it is uh, independence is off the table for quite some time because I suppose of a few factors. One is that uh, you know Brexit was the game changer, and Brexit was in a way the uh, the basis on which you could argue it's time to revisit this question again within a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if Scotland says okay, even despite Brexit, we're prepared, we want to stay within the United Kingdom, that kind of settles that. And then the other thing is that there's a you know if say the referendum were to happen in 2023, there's a very very good chance that in 2024 you're going to have a Labour government or a Labour dominated government in London, and so these years of Tory rule would end, and then under a Labour government or a government that's dominated by Labour, not only will you have a government that's more in keeping in terms of the socioeconomic values that people in Scotland have, but also it would probably be more open to a different kind of devolution. It would be more open, it would treat Scotland with more respect. And that would be partly because uh, it would have an electoral interest in doing so, uh, because it would want to win some seats back. And so I think then that might take some of the heat out of the independence thing. If this next shot at independence fails, then probably it is off the menu for a while, uh, which is why I think they're definitely going to uh, 
pull out all the stops and Nicola Sturgeon will try to make sure that she organises the terrain in such a way that she has the maximum chance of winning. Dennis Staunton, thank you so much as always for your time. Thank you. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon, Jennifer Ryan and Suzanne Brennan. In the News will be back on Wednesday.